Welcome to Autism in Action Podcast, where we help families connect with resources, services, and support in all things autism. The mission of Autism in Action Podcast is to help bridge the gap of accessibility to services by connecting listeners with individual support, autism awareness, and education. Tasha Rollins and Chris Hansen share expert interviews, autism topics, and supportive services each week. From the East Coast to the West Coast, they've got you covered. Coming to you from upstate South Carolina, Tasha has over 20 years experience as a special needs parent. In 2018, she started Rollins Counseling LLC, a private practice offering counseling services to her community. In 2019, she noticed through her personal and professional experience, the growing gap in transitional services of autism and launched the Autism in Action podcast. In 2020, she created Rollins Coaching, offering families transitional coaching for young adults that need goal-oriented action steps to move forward into adulthood. In 2021, she began Rollins Consulting, which provides professionals with ongoing autism education to better serve their clients. Coming to you from Western Washington, Chris has over eight years experience as a special educator where he developed a thriving high school life skill and community-based learning program in Kent School District. In September of 2019, he started Life Skills Advocate, a transition support company where he provides local and virtual executive functioning and life skill coaching, as well as academic and vocational support to teens and adults with diverse learning needs. Does your teen or young adult struggle to know what to do when faced with social situations? Does their confidence take a hit as a result? We may have just what you're looking for. Introducing the Real Life Social Skills video course brought to you by Life Skills Advocate and Social Skills Laboratory, where we walk learners through how to engage in concrete real life communication in an interactive way. The introductory conversation skills unit includes lessons like how to determine good conversation candidates, joining group conversations already in progress, and advanced skills like interpreting literal versus figurative communication. The complete course includes so much more. To learn more, visit lifeskillsadvocate.com slash social skills course and watch the first lesson for free. And as a special thank you to our listeners, enter promo code autism in action, all one word, to receive a 20% off discount. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Autism in Action podcast. Today, we have another very special guest. We have got Miss Jane Wessler. She is coming to you all the way from New Jersey today. 
Ms. Jane Wessler Esquire is a licensed clinical social worker and a partner in the law firm of Susan Greenwald and Wessler. The firm's practice focuses on the representation of students with disabilities in order to ensure that they receive appropriate educational services. She is the published author of four books, including The Handbook for Parents of Children with Special Needs, a Therapeutic and Legal Approach, available at Amazon, Walmart, and other locations. Jane, thank you so much for taking time to be here today. I am super excited for our listeners to hear all about what you have to share on advocacy. Well, thanks for that nice introduction, Tasha. And uh, I'm very grateful that you work so hard even though your plate is very full, to bring these kinds of broadcasts to your listening audience because it is invaluable. One of the things I used to tell parents, um, and still do, uh, is there's strength in numbers. And so many times I've had a parent come into my office for a consultation and they they realized during the consultation they're, they're not alone, that there are lots of other parents out there. And it kind of made me sad because I think what happens is parenting is hard. Uh, we all know that. And yeah. uh, Parenting, it, we, when I got out of law school, I clerked for a judge. Um, it's kind of the finishing touch that you do after law school. Not everybody does, but it, it, it does a lot of good things for you. And um, the judge and I both had children of similar ages, and we used to kid around and say, parenting isn't for cowards. You, you can't be a parent and be a coward. Very <laughs> this, true. It, it forces you, doesn't it? And I, so many times I've had mostly mothers tell me that... Um, they used to be quiet. They used to be shy. But when when you have a child who has special needs, you can't do that anymore. You've yeah. got to step up. No, and and you know you know very well. And so um, I think it's really important that parents understand they're not alone uh, when parents are parenting a child, maybe more than one, with special needs. They're so busy that they often don't have time to get together with other parents. But um, actually the law in our country is, uh, is very good, very good law um, that is protective of students. Um, and you know, not just because they need to be protected, but they need to be schooled, educated appropriately so that when they're older, they have the chance to, uh, and this is actually written into the law, it gives me goosebumps that they have the opportunity to be as independent as possible, to have opportunity for post-secondary education that whatever would be appropriate for them, and opportunity for post-secondary employment. And that's, that's the state of our union. That is our country. That is what we want for our kids who are different learners and differently abled. So it's very exciting. And one of the things that the law does provide is that every school district must have a group for parents of children with special needs. Um, and it's written into the law. So uh, everybody out there, your school district has a group, maybe you're part of it. One of the things that I wasn't a great fan of is um, often there is um school control of that group and, and it's really meant for the parents and so again if you're part of a group out there uh, dear listener uh, and you feel controlled you can ask uh, you know your director of special services or whoever um, to back off a bit you know and uh, 
give you some space and and um, let the let the parents talk and and it's really important for parents to have support you have to have support you have to have people that you can talk to about what's going on it helps lift the burden off the shoulders it helps make things happier and and more satisfying and helps you be a better parent and helps your child have a better outcome so you know in preparing for today um it was a pleasure to to speak to you about your podcast and um you shared with me that I could talk to your listeners about what was on my heart and mind. And I think that uh, it, it's, we're going to kind of do a crash course on advocacy today. And um, I know that not everybody can afford an attorney. Uh, one thing that parents should know if, if they don't already, um, so listeners, uh, if you haven't heard this, every attorney uh, has to do what's called pro bono work. And pro bono is the Latin term. It means for the good. And what it really means is cashless, <laughs> no payment. <laughs> and so all attorneys have to do that. And, you know, when I was a young attorney, I would get these assignments from uh, the local uh, courthouse. And it was, it was sometimes a domestic violence thing. And I would have to go interact with the person who had been charged with domestic violence and whatnot. And, and I, I did that, but it, it made sense to me to, why shouldn't I be doing the pro bono work for the, my clients? And so uh, that's what I, I started doing. I, I shared with the court, you know, I'm doing pro bono work in this area. And of course you, you have to show that you're doing and prove that you're doing it. And, um, and so if the listeners need an attorney you can call an attorney, find a good attorney in your area and ask, first of all, ask, ask for a free consultation. Probably any attorney is going to say, of course, come in for a free consultation. I'm not going to charge you. Go in, bring all of your documents uh, and, and have your questions ready because, you know, it, it's nerve wracking for a parent to go in and hey, I've had consultations with attorneys for, for various things. Um, and even I will get nervous as an attorney because, you know, this is your hour. You've got to convey what, what's in your mind and the things that you know and, and share with that attorney all the pertinent facts so that you get the right opinions. Um, and it's okay to be nervous. You're gonna be nervous, no big deal, but just prepare ahead of time, bring in your questions, bring your documents. Oh my goodness. If you're going to go for a consultation, I used to tell this to parents. I would tell them, my staff would call and remind them. And so many times they wouldn't do it. This is incredibly important. When you're going to go for a consultation, pull together everything that you've got for the past two years, at least. Um, Attorneys who are facile in this field can go through documents. I go through documents very quickly. I know what I'm looking for. I've been doing this for almost 30 years. Um, I'm looking for very specific information. Please bring your um, most recent evaluations of, uh, by the child study team or by private people. Bring um, older evaluations like the next most recent because then, uh, you know, I can compare what has 
what the results were before and what the results were most recently and you know bring the current IEP and bring any other pertinent information and all of the child study team reports every single report you know it's the school psychologist the psychology report the educational learning evaluation um, the school social worker psychosocial evaluation uh, maybe there's a speech and language evaluation. Maybe there's a behavioral evaluation. Maybe there's a neurological evaluation or an audiological evaluation or a psychiatric evaluation. Bring them all. It's not too much. I've had parents wheel bins in. We love that. Bring it. Because that way you're going to get a more accurate assessment of what's going on and what you can do. So ask for a, a you know a free consultation um don't be afraid to tell the attorney um, what you can and can't afford um, and if you really can't afford an attorney ask for a pro bono representation um, we we would have cases all the time that it was very obvious uh when a parent couldn't afford um something and we, we would do so much more than the hours we were required to do and still do that. You know, someone who's serving our country in the military, you can't afford it, that's okay. We're gonna give back to you. We're gonna represent you. Um, so go have your consultation. That's really important. Um, you know, a few other things. One of the things I tell parents is trust your gut um, and, it, you know, in, in, in my book, again, for parents who, who want to go for a consultation, um, don't, uh, don't be afraid to go if you can't afford it um, and talk to the attorney, um, but go in and, and get the attorney's opinion and um, make sure you bring all of your documents and, um, and don't be afraid to ask the attorney for um you know, some kind of price negotiation or um, some kind of assistance and, and see what you can work out. Um, and, you know, that's one of the reasons that I, I wrote this book. Um, I know that parents can't always afford an attorney. Um, this book is meant to act as a handbook to have on hand uh, for parents who have to or are are put in this uh, situation of having to advocate for themselves. But one of the things I tell parents in the book is trust your gut. You're the parent. Nobody knows your student better than you do. And if you believe something is happening with your student, if you believe something's going wrong, um, if you believe that your student is, is doing better, um, whatever it is that's going on that you are picking up on, trust that. Um, you'll be glad that you trusted that. There's a reason that our bodies and our minds work in concert to pick up cues from uh, the environment um, and it kind of rolls into a conclusion and that's your brain at work. Uh, uh, do please trust that. And, you know, on the other hand, um, the, the next piece of advice is really um, get expert evaluations. That is where we would often start. After a parent came in, um, I would always want to meet the child unless the child is for some reason placed in a residential program. But uh, parents are so used to their child that they don't always tell you everything. Um, 
and sometimes a child would come in and, and something would be readily apparent that the parent really didn't talk about. Um, and so it, it's important for an attorney to meet your student. Um, and also uh, for you to get a good expert who can look at all areas of suspected disability because isn't that what we're supposed to look at? And um, it's important to have for a variety of reasons, uh, an expert written opinion. And so it's not, it's usually not cheap. Um, insurance can help, but I would caution you, uh, as I caution all of my clients, do not allow uh, the list of providers uh, given to you by your insurance to drive your decision about whom you are going to choose. Uh, because that can turn into a real disaster and you can end up spending a lot of money, even thousands of dollars on a, an expert uh, report that will get you nowhere. And not only will it get you nowhere, uh, it may preclude you from doing another evaluation that's a good evaluation because when experts administer testing, um, then that testing can't be repeated um, inside of 12 months because you get what's called the practice effect. And the student has already seen these questions, has had already been through that. And, and so the student's going to do better than they, than they did the first time. So choose your expert wisely. Um, I go through that in the book. I talk about if your child is presenting with X, here's the kind of expert that you need. Um, so make sure that you are looking at a, a potential expert's um, resume, their curriculum, vitae or CV. You want someone uh, who probably has a, a doctoral level degree, who has years of experience, and, and even possibly one who is a university professor. And the reason I say that is, it doesn't mean that someone who doesn't have all those criteria is not going to do a good job. Somebody who has more uh, experience, that's good experience, um, is is going to be better. Um, when you go to court, if you ever have to, and God forbid you you should have to, but being prepared makes it less likely that you will have to go because if in fact you end up with in a conflict with your, with your school district, if you have ironclad uh, evidence that your child needs something and you have someone who's a, a tried and true tried and true expert um, it's more likely that your school district is not going to want to fight you in court if you did have to go to court you want somebody who can stand up to rigorous cross-examination and so those are the reasons that I say that um, don't be afraid to question experts um, so the listeners, you can call people, you can uh, ask for, you know, a 10 minute phone conference uh, to talk to them about how they go about their testing. What, what tests do they give? Um, how are they going to assess your child uh, for the various areas in which your child uh, might be having a deficiency where you believe your child might not be um, operating uh, at his or her level. You want somebody who's going to give recommendations. Recommendations are very, very important. You want uh, an expert who's going to um, give written recommendations in a very direct 
style. You don't want the expert to say, and here are my recommendations. Number one, this child uh, would benefit from an IEP. This child would benefit from speech and language. No, you have to have the expert say, I'm strongly recommending that this child be classified if they're not. I'm strongly recommending that uh, this child have Orton-Gillingham instruction uh, four times a week for um, as or uh, for a similar um, frequency and duration as her peers. So, you know, when when her peers are having reading instruction, so and so should have Orton-Gillingham reading instruction. Um, whatever it is that that expert needs to strongly recommend that those things be put into place. Um, you want uh, you want an expert who is is purely objective. And, and so that means you have to look at the uh, the source of the experts funding. Are you paying the expert? Um, have you asked for an independent evaluation and the school district is paying for the expert? Uh, is your uh, insurance paying for the expert? It's probably better if you hire somebody privately. Um, they're going to probably lean toward what you're looking for. But I also would encourage parents, don't be too strong about telling the expert what you think your child needs. Do tell, do tell, but listen to the expert. Um, experts are, are uh, going to try to figure out what exactly is going on with your child um, and put that on paper. And um, I have had experts fight with me about what, uh, what a particular child needed when the parents thought, here, you know, I, you hear this a lot, Tasha, I want my child to have an aid. Okay, yes. why? Why do you want your child to have an aid? Parents think, oh, if I can get an aid, everything will be okay. Not necessarily. Um, if your child needs an aid to do X, Y, and Z, okay, fine. Um, really, we want our children to be independent and we don't want them to be stigmatized. Um, and so if a child can do something by himself, then you want the child to be uh, educated on how to do that. And it's okay to have an aid. And some kids do need an aid. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of reasons a student might really need an aid. But don't hang on to something like that as a lifesaver. You want to hear what your expert has to say. Listen, talk about why and understand. And yeah. you do need somebody to be objective. Um, that doesn't mean that experts don't get things wrong too. On occasion, um, experts uh, and, and, and I um, kind of had some very interesting discussions <laughs> about what a parent really felt strongly about. And maybe then the expert decides, you know what, the parent was right in the beginning. So uh, it's a little bit of a minefield for a parent. I know it's, it's a lot to think about. Um, but, but you also want an expert who's fearless and who's not afraid to go into your school district and do an observation, and that's really important. You, you as a parent, have the right to send in uh, an expert into your school district to observe your child in various areas. Mm -hmm. um, school districts will uh, try to keep a tight rein on how long a, a ch uh, an expert 
uh, is going to be allowed in. And school districts do have the right and the obligation to maintain order in their schools. And so, of course, it is important for them to do that. So they can't have, you know, 100 experts running amok through the schools. But you have that right. You can exercise that right. I would say for you should have an uh, observation in school. These days, some observations are, are uh, being done um, in person again, but often they're being done virtually. Um, and, and that's great and that can still happen. You want the expert to do the observation prior to meeting the child because you don't want uh, to have the testing done and then the expert goes in and, and your kid's turning around going, hey, there's Dr. So-and-so, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> because that's going to affect the child's behavior, perhaps. You want it to be a typical day. So, um, and then you'll, you'll have your um, um, expert evaluation in hand. You get the recommendations. Then you can ask the school district uh, for a meeting and send the report in advance and say, hey, um, I'd really like the opportunity to sit down because I think, um, you know, Melissa's IEP is not... Uh, providing her with an appropriate education, I, I think we need to tweak it. And um, I encourage parents to get familiar with the law. And the law is a vast sea. So don't try to wrap your head around all of it. But um, there are lots of resources out there. Um, I would refer parents to um, my law firm's website. There's a lot of resources on there. It's um, my law firm is Susson, Greenwald, and Wessler. Um, and you can visit us at sgwlawfirm.com um, and check out the resources, read about the law, um, and get yourself educated. So because that way you're you're really going to know what your rights are and you're going to um, be able to enforce your rights. Uh, another cool thing that I tell parents about, and, and some parents know this, but it, it's almost staring you in the face, and maybe parents don't even think about it, but you can go on your school district's uh, website, your local school district, go on their website and click on the tab that says Board of Education. Under that, you'll find a sub uh, tab that you can click on that says Board of Education meeting minutes. And this is very educational. Uh, you can start with the most recent and go back in time. And uh, if, if you have some time, you can read uh, where your school district is spending its mo your money, its money, you know, the tax money. Um, how many kids are they sending out of district? Where are they sending them to? What private schools are they utilizing? Um, who have they hired? Um, what other programs have they put into place? Unfortunately, uh, and, and I'm a former child study team member. So I, I was a public school employee. Um, I'm, I was very proud to be a public school employee. I think public schools in this country do a fantastic job for the most part, but they do have a lot on their plates and they do have budgets and there are often powers that be uh, at the top that really try to hold on to the purse strings. In fact, there is a position, um, the business administrator, which is in direct conflict. Uh, it's kind of a check and balance. Um, and that person uh, tries to stop 
uh, the administration from spending too much money. And so there's always going to be a conflict there between the business administrator um, and the director of special services and the child study team. Um, sometimes they work well together. Other times it's very confrontational. Um, and that's a good thing to be mindful of. But uh, you can go in and take a look at where your school district is spending money and uh, find out what programs that that there are. And sometimes the parents don't know about the programs and sometimes the child study team doesn't tell the parents about various specialized classes that are available. So it's important for parents to do their own homework. Um, Absolutely. So that yes. they can, you know, have uh, all of those things at their fingertips. Now, at some point, we all ask our school districts for something. Um, and you can have a meeting with uh, your school district and try to get the uh, expert recommendations fulfilled um, in uh, a program. And there are plenty of times where school districts will give you some really great stuff, you know, maybe some big ticket items, some items that, you know, are very important for you and for your child. It's rare that a school district is going to give you everything that you want. So it's important to know when to hold them and when to fold them. You know, when are you, when are you going to fight and when are you going to say to the team, you know what, this is great. Thank you so much for meeting with me today. Thank you so much for agreeing to um, incorporate um, all of these things into Zachary's program um, and uh, let's go forward and let, let's see how it works. I'm with you. We're a team together um, and, uh, and, and let's just see how it goes because you don't want to always be fighting with your school district. You're going to get a reputation uh, as somebody who's never happy and you don't want that. Um, you know, as an attorney, well, you've, you may have heard uh, the saying that in real estate, there's three things that are important, location, location, and location. <laughs> and I was told as a young attorney that there are three things that are important uh, when you practice law, and those are reputation, reputation, and reputation and you don't ever want to lose your reputation. And I would say the same thing for a parent. Um, you don't want to get a bad reputation because then people are going to think you're the boy who cried wolf and they're not going to want to listen to you. Uh, they're going to roll their eyes when they get a call from you or an email. You don't really want that to be happening. And I actually talk a lot about that in the therapeutic se session, excuse me, section of my book, um, how to how to build alliances with your school district, you know, who's who in your school district, um, how to join with those people and join as a therapeutic term, how to really become a team member. Um, and I would encourage parents, you know, you do want to do that. And I'm sure a lot of you are doing it already and you don't need me to tell you, but from my perspective as a person who has been suing school districts, um, you know, I've sued pretty much every school district in the state of New Jersey. And I kind of say that with laughter because I don't, I don't really like suing people. I don't want to have to. I'd rather work in concert with people in cooperation and collaboration with people. In fact, collaboration is the hallmark 
of, of the laws of idea and section 504 let's not forget section 504 which is a fantastic um, kind of plan that parents can have you can get an IEP you can get a 504 plan um, and I can go over the um, requirements for those if you think that's important um, but um, I would just encourage parents um, if you're getting substantially uh, what you want, then, you know, act as if that you're just going to work together with the school district and go ahead and do that. And who knows, you might be surprised your child might do really well with those accommodations that you have. But if they're not doing well, don't hesitate and don't wait because uh, I've heard uh, uh, parents have come to me so many times and said, you know, I talked to my I talked to my teacher uh, in October and again in January, and we had a meeting in February. And they said, "Oh, you know, um, Keisha's doing fine, doing fine, doing fine." And then at the end of the year, when they were tested, Keisha wasn't doing fine and had lost a whole year. So don't mm -hmm. wait, don't wait. You know, don't wait, advocate. <laughs> I love and that. Don't wait, advocate. Don't wait, advocate. And be unflappable. You can do it. Do not let your temper get the better of you. Um, mind your mind your thoughts. And, you know, your school district may really be doing a bad job. They might be rude to you. Uh, they might uh, kick your su uh, suggestions to the curb. Um, and, you know, could be an egregious scenario. I've seen plenty of egregious scenarios and I could talk to you about them, um, but we don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on positivity. Um, we need a lot more of that in the country uh, at this moment. And um, it, it's very important uh, to get what you need to get for your child. However, that needs to happen. And I would always, always, always take the approach in the beginning um, that it, 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 kill them with kindness, uh, be sweet, be kind, be firm. Um, don't go away, um, but just continue to work with your school district. I've seen parents scream and holler. Um, I've kicked many a parent under the chair for, uh, you know, saying biting remarks and rude remarks. You cannot do that. You have to give what you want to get. And so um, walk the high road, be kind, be persistent, smile, but don't go away and be insistent, be insistent. Um, so in general, those are the kinds of things that uh, I think are the most important. Um, but I would be happy to uh, answer any other questions or talk about um, requirements for 504s or IEPs or anything else, Tasha, that you think is important. Well, thank you very, very much. I would love to maybe come back again and let's do a whole academic section there. Um, I think that would be a wonderful episode, especially going back to school in August. Um, a lot of parents are going to be looking for that advice and that insight. So let's plan on that. Let's get together again. Let's um, do that. And, and that's a great time to be thinking of all those things. And so things are a little bit different at the beginning of the school year than they are later. It's a great idea. I'd love to do that. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking time to be here today and share with all of our listeners. Guys, this was so valuable today. I hope you check out all the resources on her website, sgwlawfirm.com. Again, thank you. My pleasure.
everybody. This is Tasha from the Autism in Action podcast. Hey, and this is Chris from Life Skills Advocate. Is your learner so consumed with social media that they spend all their focus and time and energy on wanting to become a YouTube star or Twitch star or social media influencer? Are you worried that they lack the skills, the self-discipline, and the executive functioning required to make this a reality? Does any of the following sound familiar? You don't understand anything about social media, Mom. It's not that hard to get a few thousand followers. If he can make a bunch of money on YouTube, so can I. Introducing the Raising a Wannabe YouTube Star free email course, a straightforward and evidence-based way to help your learner master attainable goal setting. In this course, we'll walk you through how to have these tough conversations with your learner and make their goals more attainable. We will deliver five email lessons packed full of actionable steps to engage your teen or young adult in a way that will guide them to make better informed decisions about matching their goals with real world applications. To sign up, just go to lifeskillsadvocate.com forward slash YouTube star and receive instant access to the free course. The Autism in Action podcast is so excited to partner with the Champion Autism Network to bring the CanCard program to you. That's right, to your neighborhood, to your local businesses. We want to help you guys connect. We want to help you guys create autism awareness right where you are. If you are interested in partnering with us with the Autism in Action podcast, please send me an email autism in action podcast at gmail.com to get started put can card sign up in the subject line can card sign up and we'll get you connected with becky the champion autism network so that you guys can bring this amazing program to your community judgment stares and rude comments isolate families with autism. It's easier to just stay home. But it's a beautiful world, and we want families with autism to come play with us. I'm Becky Large, founder and executive director of the Champion Autism Network, a nonprofit corporation based in Surfside Beach, South Carolina. Isolation is a problem for most autism families. To tackle this problem, we took surveys of our families asking them what they wanted. The number one answer was to be able to go out to a restaurant. We began training restaurants on the needs of families with autism. In response to restaurants asking, how will we know if a family with autism is at our establishment? And knowing that families with autism are reluctant to publish, publicly share they have autism, we needed a simple, discreet, and dignified way for families to identify themselves. So we developed the CAM card program. To overcome families' reluctance, we got businesses to offer discounts and services, incentivizing them to show the card. As a result, the CAN card is becoming the AAA card of autism travel. To become involved in the CAN card club, businesses undergo a vetting process, as not all businesses are suited to serving the needs of autism families. Everyone can be aware and accepting, however, not every business is a fit. The CAN card offers a two-on-one value proposition. Families benefit from the peace of mind knowing all participating businesses are vetted and to what level they are aware and committed, whether that be participating, certified supportive, or certified champion. 
They also benefit from the service or discounts that member businesses provide, like moving to the head of the line or receiving a percentage off. Businesses benefit from the economic opportunity and social good that result from serving this loyal and growing population. There are several options for business engagement with three certification levels in an expanding variety of industries. Our online on-demand training is currently available in English and Spanish for resorts, restaurants, retail, and general autism awareness. Like autism, which has grown exponentially, the CAN card started with 37 families and now is used by nearly 2,000 throughout the U.S. and four countries. Our business model is a win-win for all entities. Just like a matrix, there are infinite points of entry. Families subscribe to the CAN card club. Member businesses become certified. Nonprofit affiliates increase their reach and generate recurring revenue. CAN ambassadors bring the CAN programs to their neighborhoods. Communities support inclusivity. The CAN card program is the vehicle that gets autism families out of the house and out into the world of support and acceptance. You are now part of the matrix. How will you welcome autism families to come play? Come play with us. Yes, you can. Thank you so much for listening to the Autism in Action podcast. Please visit us online at autisminactionpodcast.com, subscribe to our newsletter to receive updates, and join in the conversation at the Autism in Action Facebook group to stay connected. On our website, you'll find all the current episodes, and if you're interested in watching the featured guest interviews, head on over to YouTube and check us out with the Autism in Action Podcast YouTube channel.